When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Wisden Ashes Daily Podcast. Rain brought about a premature end to day four with Australia 135 for naught. They need another 249 runs to go 3-1 up in the series. I'm Yazrana and with me this late afternoon is Phil Walker. Phil, we've had some momentous occasions here. And this one wasn't. At the Oval (laughs) in the last few years. Uh, The 15 standing ovations or whatever. Cook got uh, his farewell test in, in 2018. Uh, other high-profile retirements going further back. We had the, the death of Monarch last year. And this morning, we had Jimmy Anderson and the retiring Stuart Broad walking out to a guard of honour from the Australian team. Properly packed house here at 11am, greeting them um, with a standing ovation. Um, it was a special moment. It was. And there's one particular photograph that captures it, the two of them arm in arm. It was impossibly mawkish and o- overblown and sentimental. But... That sport, right? You know, it's meant to be joyous. It's meant to be light. It's meant to transport us and all of that. Mm. It, it was entirely lovely and it was very sincere. And the punters round here, they love the bloke, as, 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 do, as do the punters all across the country. And indeed, in Australia as well. And I've been on Australian radio today and there's been a lot of talk about how Broad has inveigled his way in to the hearts of the Aussies as well. Uh, and of course, the reason why is because he plays just like them. Yeah. He's got all the mongrel that a good Aussie cricketer requires. But also, you know, in, in all his stuff explaining his decision, he said that he wanted to go out in an England-Australia test match. And on the on the ovation in particular, I think that fans, especially fans that you'll get on a, on a day four weekend test match day, they might not get to see that much live cricket. They might not get to see that many days a year um, of their, their heroes playing in the flesh. And I guess with someone like Broad, they just want to show their gratitude, really. This guy's played 160-odd test matches for England. Um, and that was a nice moment, um, I guess. And I'm sure there'll be a couple more over the course of, of uh, the final day. I guess depending on how the final day goes, because after that fun introduction to the day, England were really flat. I thought this was one of the worst days England had this series. They bowled really badly. They looked flat. They looked old. Um, we had one question from Matt who said, if he wasn't injured, why on earth? Would you hold Mark Wood back for so long when your opening bowlers looked so innocuous? But I guess the answer is, Phil, he, he wasn't fit. It was clear that he wasn't fit. He came onto the field late after lunch hmm. and over in. He clearly had been doing some kind of work with the physio in the dressing room. And he stood forlornly, really, on the 45 to Joe Root. And at one point, someone knocked it around the corner and he, and he hobbled to try and cut it off and, and he just couldn't really get there. Uh, it's been a series of creaking bodies, right? And, and wilting minds. And we've seen it. We saw it yesterday with Australia. They just hit the wall. Uh, only so many more times you can keep coming and coming and coming. 
It's been a brutalizing few weeks for that pace attack. And I think we saw something similar today with the England side as well. Um, I don't want to overplay the, the, the early stages, but cricket, so much of cricket is about these swings in mood and tempo and atmosphere and energy as well. And, and the, the, the sentimental moments at the beginning that took up two overs, then there's two over change. And now Australia aren't batting till half 11. And it was, if you can take the sentiment out of the equation, you can't and fine, fine. I don't, I'm not knocking it, but you're not taking singles. Jimmy was going to face the slow man. Brody was going to face the quick. Everybody was having a lovely time of it. Uh, and it felt very beer match. It felt very benefit game. Like now, you can't shake that mood immediately, I don't think. Or rather, it's all, it, it gets under the skin a little bit. And, and perhaps it's pure coincidence, right? Perhaps this is a, a, a bullshit point. But it felt like the theatre of the moment and the morning overtook the requirement to play really gnarly, desperate, serious-minded cricket, right? You know, broad, bold poorly in the first three overs of his spell but really poorly and that sets the tone and and the Aussie openers who would have been scratchy after sitting on their bats in the first innings and being a little bit overly defensive suddenly they're into their rhythm um and it took I think the, the crowd a little while to remember that there was a cricket match going on right and by that point Australia were 30 for naught uh I thought the the session up to lunch, as you say, was as, was probably England's worst session of the series. I thought they were better after lunch. I thought they came up with some interesting plans after lunch to have the ring field with Anderson bowling round uh, and trying to, uh, you, you know, who's going to blink first, that sort of, sort of theory. And I thought Root bowled some interesting deliveries from round the wicket himself. But, but that first session really ran away from them. Right. And now we have a, an interesting equation in this cricket match. It was Pete Lawler, the Aussie, Aussie writer who I've, I've been working with today. And he, and he said at the start of the day, you know, we'll reign save England again. Ha ha ha. Well, he's got a point. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I jotted down kind of um, how the Australian innings had gone. Um, a few notes down at the 32 over Mark, which is just when Mark Wood came into bowl for the first time. So up until that point, Jimmy bowled pretty much a third of the overs in the innings. And he's not looked particularly threatening um, across most of the series, to be honest. Broad bowled six before being taken off. Wokes, who's probably been the pick of the bowlers the last couple of test matches, he'd only bowled four. Wood hadn't bowled at that point. An injured Moeen Ali, you could see was still struggling with his injury. He bowled five in the part-time offspin of Joe Root. Bowled six at that point. And I, and I think Root bowled okay, but you, you kind of see why this is a guy who averages 45 and not 35 with the ball in test cricket. And I'll tell you one thing, yes. I find it bewildering, right, that Josh Tung, who bowled so well at Lords, we haven't seen him since. Mm. Just to use that as an example, and I understand why you wanted, why Stokes would have wanted to stick with the the quintet that did so well in the third Test at Leeds. I can understand that, but I think we're seeing the consequences of five back-to-back -back cricket matches. Mm. Um, for, you know, a storied attack, but the oldest attack that England have put on the park since 1928, and I think that's mm. starting to show. Yeah, I mean, Mark, Mark Wood um, was down about five or six MPH compared to his spell at Headingley. He's a completely different bowler. 
um, when he's bowling 92 miles per hour to 87 miles per hour. 87 miles per hour, he still rushes players, but it's not it's not too quick for the best players in the world. And also something that we were talking about just before we started recording. It's another really slow pitch. And like, with the exception right. of Headingley and to the exception, of, uh, to, to, to an extent, Old Trafford, we've, we've seen some really slow, uncharacteristically so uh, slow pitches over the course of the series, which is which has led to, which I think has made life for the England seamers quite difficult. I think they've they've the the, the pitch they looked most threatening on was Headingley, and that's the one test England won. And also, we had a question about how England batted yesterday. Mike asked, "The pitch looks like an absolute road. Shouldn't Australia be chasing 500? Losing six for 60 on this looks pretty dopey." Um, and I wouldn't say it was dopey, but I think. Part of the chaos and tiredness of this test match has been both sides have just been quite sloppy. So Australia, I think, should have scored way more runs than they did in the first innings. Mm. Um, in, in the same way, I think England could have batted Australia out of the game yesterday, but but didn't quite do that. It's just been sloppy from both sides. And actually, we saw today where England were not quite as on it with the ball as they were in the first innings. Australia really punished them in a way that they, they should have probably done so early in the game. I mean, there's a question that someone in the press box asked earlier, which is like, how many runs would England have scored against his England attack today? England, England, England would have been like <laughs> 200 for two off 38 overs, or if, if, if not more. It was um, really quite sloppy. Yeah, I think what we saw with Australia yesterday has been replicated by England today. Mm. Um, there are all kinds of theories that probably are worth throwing around regarding the nervous energy attached to the game, how physical exhaustion feeds into mental exhaustion Mm. or mental uh, frailties um, and vice versa, of course. But also, unshakably, this isn't the finale that it could have been. And for all that we're still witnessing an interesting game of cricket and there's much riding on it, don't get me wrong, there's not everything riding on it and we'd be liars to pretend otherwise. And I think that absence of real like arse-nipping jeopardy, I think will naturally feed in a little bit. If you think, you put yourself in the position of Pat Cummins, who's been, again, brilliant in this test match. He's a he's an indomitable character. But you think about the, the mental processes and him and, of course, all of his team will have been going through when you're wrestling with the, the bodies screaming at you, give me a rest, and you've got... What, three-day gap between one and the other and then you're off again and then you get to the pitch itself which started interestingly and as the oval pitch tends to do it flattens out and it's it's a good cricket pitch don't get it's really good cricket pitch and it's beginning to take turn and if we'd had five full days we'd definitely have got a result and it would have been anybody's but this is the hard yards now for both of these attacks um and we haven't seen enough probably of the support attacks to, to help these, what these eight seamers get through it. You know, not just from England's perspective, Josh Tung, but Ollie Robinson as well. That I didn't ever think there would be an element of sentiment attached to a Ashes selection, but I think there has been. I think there has been an element of, of giving Jimmy the, you know, the, the, the space to go, off, to go off of his own accord. Um, and Broad has been a more prominent figure in this series than, than Anderson. And he's the, tailed the numbers. off as well. He's but he's really ta- he, and he well. was struggling in the second innings, mm. I thought, at Old Trafford. Uh, and wasn't quite as strong across the board at Old Trafford as he was in the earlier part of the series. It's totally natural. <laughs> completely. It, one of the things that I've, I haven't been able to shake watching this game is let's never do it as condensed as this again. Mm. Forget 
the the entertainment for us element, the deferred gratuity side of things, just simply for the quality of the fare, you can't keep going and going and going yeah, and going. I, I think you can only have one back-to-back set of tests in, in a five-match series. I think ha- having... I said Australia have essentially played three sets of back-to-back test matches in seven weeks. Yeah, um, I, I found yesterday's day quite... Uh, not demoralising, but quite underwhelming, even though England made 400-odd in a day, because... Yeah. You could see that those greats on the other side in, in that floppy green, baggy green hat, they just couldn't keep going anymore. And we're seeing something similar here today. Yeah, I did just find you mentioned the jeopardy and, and there's not, it's not felt as, uh, it's obviously not got as much jeopardy as it would have been uh, had England got over the line at Old Trafford. But for Australia tomorrow, if they chase this, this is a, a legacy, um, define, an era defining win really is it's the it's the crowning glory moment of the Cummins captaincy and for a lot of these players right. a lot of whom probably won't tour England again this has been the massive gap on their CV is winning a test series in England they probably should have done it in 2019 uh, it looked like it was going to be 2-2 coming into the oval um 5 or 6 days ago but now we're we're literally 24 hours away from Australia potentially walking away with a 3-1 series win <laughs> yeah well i said I said to Katia last night, it would be the most spectacular heist I think I've ever seen. But I don't think that's fair Mm. because that sounds a bit harsh. I don't quite know what the right word is. But um, one thing for sure is if they do do it, um, and it might come down to how many hours they've got to play with rather than how much pressure England are going to put on them. Ten wickets on that track when your off-break bowler in Moeen Alley is on one leg and Mark Wood is struggling Mm. as well. It's a big ask for England to begin with, right? So if, if there's one team that's going to win it tomorrow, you'd think that Australia have edged ahead. The draw comes into play if there's going to be some rain in the afternoon. But if Australia do do it, then any slight whiff of what might have been, any any pictures from Old Trafford being regurgitated and any of those kinds of conversations, they just go. They're forgotten about because 3-1's emphatic. However you get there, 3-1 is emphatic. And it would complete... Um, as you say, like a, like a legacy marking moment, a, a landmark in Australian cricket. Uh, it's it's not equivalent to when England went down there in 2010-11 because England had never been in the fight for 24 years yeah. or whatever it was. Uh, but nonetheless, the, the numbers are not dissimilar. Australia have not won over here in 22 years. England hadn't won over, over there in 23. Uh it won't be quite as spectacular a win, but it would be more significant on a, as a sporting contest because they've come up against a team playing out of its boots. You know, England the mo- is the most expressive and entertaining and dangerous cricket team in the world, arguably. If Australia turn them over 3-1, or if they turn them over 2-1, mm. if, it's, if, if they see it off tomorrow, which is, for what it's worth, I think 2 one's probably the most likely result at this stage, but we'll see. If they do do it, then all bets are off. Mm. And Patrick Cummins can you know, never buy a, a can of EB ever again in his life. Yeah. It, it'll be spectacular, considering the India game as well. Six, six games in seven and a half, eight weeks. Yeah. It's extraordinary if they do it. Absolutely. Well, we've got... The, the, the weather forecast is actually looking pretty good at the moment. Is it? Tomorrow. It's looking pretty good. Okay, so, so, so run, that, run that by me. Uh, well, it's just looking good at the right, moment. Right, so clear? Yeah. Oh, okay, because I thought earlier in the week it was... Yeah, it was. the weather, I mean, I, I don't really trust weather forecasts at the moment. And, and also, I, I really hate that the thing I've learned most 
over the last week or so is that I now have a favourite weather app. Is like, it AccuWeather? It is AccuWeather. Well, I've um, been telling you this for years. I've been telling anyone who listens. <laughs> it's the dawn of weather apps. Um, but I really don't like that I now It's had a good ashes. It has, it's had a good, uh, it's had, had a good ashes. Um, anyway, that is all for today. Cheers, Phil. We'll be back tomorrow. Podcast Network.